and welcome to Tabletop Game Talk, On Topic, a show where we talk about tabletop gaming topics of all kinds. I'm one of your hosts, Fletcher. And I'm Chris. And today, Kitty has abandoned us to the land of new internet, also known as Minnesota. Uh, But Fletcher and I are going to talk about a couple games I've asked him to prep for, games that we've mentioned in the last couple episodes, and games that tend to take up the better part of the day, or in some cases, multiple days. Are they worth it? Are does like what goes into playing a game like this and why should we do this at all but before we talk about that a thank you to our patreon friends of the show adam harrison and the gifted games in grace lake and a huge thank you to all our other patrons as well many of which are in our live audience now and if you want to be in a live audience member then you can go to tabletopgametalk.com live where you can chat with us in real time and distract me if you uh just randomly type stuff i will get distracted i promise um <laughs> Fletcher, how's stuff? How's your weekend? This is Labor Day weekend. Have you done anything interesting besides, you know, stay out of the public? Um, so Carmen's friend from California came to visit because um, she's a bridesmaid and they went with a few other of her bridesmaids to go pick out bridesmaid dresses and they and they found the one. So I wasn't uh, involved in that, but that's what happened. And she stayed with us for a few days. That's that was pretty fun. coming. So you're it's 2021 summer, yes. right? I should know this. Yeah. I know it's in my September. calendar. I promise I'll be available. <laughs> we haven't sent out invitations yet, so it's okay. Right. One year from today, uh, it's September-ish. No. Yeah, but it's not today. <laughs> All right, one year, give or take. One year from weeks. this month. All right, one year from this month. Um, yeah, we we didn't really do much. The uh, parent-in-laws. In-laws? I guess that's just in-laws, right? Uh, came over. laws <laughs> Yeah, parent-in-laws. <laughs> they came over, hung out with Zachary for a little bit. Uh, the most eventful thing was actually Thursday night. We got off work, and then it was probably about 10 o'clock, and Sydney decides to go into labor. And after a little over an hour, we called the, uh, called the hospital, who got us a hold of the doctor, and the doctor's like, yeah, yeah, come in, come in. So we called her parents. Her parents came over. Um, Zachary's already asleep at the time and they brought their overnight bag because they have a to-go bag as well. Get in the car, contractions stop, get to the hospital and they check her in and do an exam and she's not having any contractions. So like two hours later, I, I, and I had to sit in the car the entire time. Um, they sent us home. Oh, so right. Because like, you can't go in the hospital at all. <laughs> I can't go in the hospital. Well, I could after. So they took a COVID test. And once she was cleared with that, then I could go in. But that happened about a half hour before they decided to say, yeah, we're just going to send you home. So I ended up just sticking, staying in the car, listening to a book and playing Game Boy, um, which actually was what I was doing anyway. So it wasn't really that bad. <laughs> But yeah, they're like this. It was the right thing to do to come in. Um, but yeah, since you're not having contractions, we'll send you home. But she's so ready, like False so alarm. ready. Yeah. yeah, this kid, like she's Get just this like thing look, out of me. Yeah, well, she's she'll look down and like you can just watch and see like the limbs and body parts trying to like come out through the belly button. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like it's so wrong. She's like that's it's a, part that's of horrifying. me. Yeah, she's like, it's part of me, and it's still just, it's it's so weird. I'm like, it is, it is. But at least right now, and I, I would say right now, you can sleep, but she really can't. So it's really right now, I can sleep. Because after she's born, neither of us will be able to sleep. So it'll be good times. <laughs> <laughs> then there's going to be no sleep at all by None anybody. whatsoever. Yep. So for this episode, um, 
I was going to get actually Sydney to be on, but I'm like, at the same time, I'm like, eh, you're going to have to sit in a seat and you're pregnant. And although you're a trooper and she's like, no, 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 I'll totally do it. I'm like, eh, it's okay. It's all right. Because Fletcher, I actually wanted to talk to you about these three games uh, more in depth and really kind of talk about the prep that goes into playing a game that lasts all day long. Yeah. And I... I know you've done you've done similar things where you've played a game most of the day, right? But not yeah. I don't I don't know. Maybe not most of the day, but definitely for like a good chunk, like four or six hours or something like that. Yeah. So, what's the longest game you've ever played? Like a single session game you've ever played, not counting D and D, which is almost always an all day thing if you're doing it right. Um, by single session, do you mean like the amount of time spent gaming on a, on a particular game or like a single game was is, is like gloomhaven considered like so, a single game or like no sort of so if you played a single scenario for six hours then yes but if you played a scenario and then reset and now we're playing the next scenario that one i'm going to save for a different conversation ah. because those are like sort of marathon gaming sessions where we're going to play the same game multiple times but not one game for like six to eight hours. Uh, then I'd have to, I'm, I'm actually not sure. And my guess would probably be maybe like three, maybe four hours, something okay. like that. Like a terrible game of Monopoly or like another <laughs> game that just like wouldn't end. And everybody's just kind of like losing hope and interest. Um, maybe the last time I played Twilight Imperium. But, I mean, we didn't even finish that, but we kind of like got set up and got started. And then it was just kind of, we're like, yeah, we you gave up. We can't do this right now. Yeah. Okay. So that's that's perfect. This is exactly what I'm looking for here. So what I'm looking for is so there's three games we're going to talk about, and if you've been listening for the past you know couple episodes, you probably know these games already. Um, we're going to talk about War of the Rings, which is well, it's based off of Lord of the Rings, um, Star Wars Rebellion, based off of Star Wars, and then Twilight Imperium Four, and we're going to do it in probably that order. Um, these games, if you look at the box time, Star War, or War of the Rings is anywhere from two and a half to three hours, is what the box time says. Uh, Star Wars Rebellion is three to four hours. And Twilight Imperium 4 has the audacity to say three to four hours. I've never heard anyone ever... Maybe with two expert <laughs> players. Maybe. Maybe with two expert players who just don't want to enjoy the game. They just want to power through. Um, now, that said... I will, I will say, yes, there are those of you out there that can say, yes, I play these games and it doesn't take my playgroup that long to play, and et cetera, et cetera. You're probably right. And I don't begrudge the way you play the game or how quickly you play. All this stuff is very true. But when you're first playing these games, the first time you do it, you are going to double the time on the box, bare minimum. Twilight Imperium, your first game, even with two players, is probably going to take eight hours. But don't play with two players. Play with three at least. Um Star Wars Rebellion, I've, I've yet to play a game that took less than six hours of that game. War of the Rings, we've gotten two games in. Um, the first one we talked about last week, and we played another game since. This last game we played only took five and a half hours. So, you played that with Sydney? Yeah. Yep. Okay. Yeah. And we love these games. Like, they're so much fun. So... I sent you videos. I sent you two videos for War of the Rings, two videos for Twilight Imperium, and one for Star Wars Rebellion. Um, The videos I sent you, for those who want to reference, um, is RTFM, which A, I love the name of the channel, and B, 
I really like that guy. He's like, he does a really good job teaching videos in a, teaching games in a short period of time. Um, and then shut up and sit down, not because they teach the game well, but they get you excited about the game, or at least they got me excited. So let's first focus on the War of the Rings. What did you think of the videos, of the prep? Is this a game that you would spend eight hours playing in an afternoon? So I watched the Twilight Imperium videos first um, because that's, I think that's how you gave me the links in that order. Probably. And I yeah. was more excited. What? Probably. Uh, yeah, and I, I think so. I was also just more excited to watch those videos in general after my brief encounter with Twilight Imperium. Um, and that, you know, that kind of 4X game is right up my alley. Um, and then I was like, okay, let's watch this, war, you know, War of the Rings videos. And I, I think that I might be almost as excited for the War of the Rings as Twilight Imperium. Um, and it was mainly the shut up and sit down video of how they go through and explain everything. And I was like, this looks like it can be like lots of fun. Like it looks like it's perfectly kind of like, I don't know, like um, balanced in the, in the correct way. Like you have a huge overwhelming army versus like a smaller little army, but then you have like a secret group of people that need to like get to like a particular location, Mount doom. And then they have to spend time like, okay, if, if I'm, I don't know. If, if, I don't forget what they call the army. <laughs> the bad army. Shadow. Um, the sh yeah. If you're shadow, you have to like decide like how much time do I want to spend like steamrolling these cities versus, you know, finding the hobbits because it's a trade-off. Um, and you're doing the exact opposite thing if you're playing, you know, the coalition, the light, I don't know, the fellowship. Yeah. Um, and it seemed really, really cool. Um, and I was like, this seems like it would be really really fun game to play i this is i mean i'll be honest with you an excuse this the title of this episode is all day games but it really is just an excuse to talk about war of the rings and twilight imperium because i've recently played them and it's changed not only my opinion of these games because for the longest time i just thought okay those are just really long games i'm just not into and when you, when most people think of really long games they what you said they think about risk or monopoly just tedious games that just go on forever. And that's what I really thought this was. When I when you look at War of the Rings and you look at the board, you it, it looks like risk. It's just like to moving me, it kind of looked like like Access and Allies, which I've played yeah. that game once, maybe twice, and I did not enjoy it. Yeah. Um, and it is and I was just like, ugh. Yep. And it is not anything like it. Anything like that at all. It's it is a miniatures war game. It, it definitely is that. You are moving armies around. You are, if you're playing the Shadow, and I played the Shadow twice, and Sydney's played the Free Peoples twice. If you're playing the Shadow, your primary win condition is basically taking out the, the Free People cities. Like, that's what you're doing. You're moving armies around to take them out. But you still have this fellowship going on. And they're still marching their way to Mount Doom. And they're still doing their thing. And you're watching this happen. And you have limited control because with the fellowship... You're trying to find them. And the mechanic there is you have a few, you have events and stuff that you can kind of trigger if you draw them at the right time and are able to play certain, it's it's very thematic too. And, but it's so, like, I can't just focus on the fellowship because what if he, Frodo makes it? What if he makes it there? And I, like, I have to be attacking. At the same time, from Sydney's point of view, she's like, well, I have to get the fellowship to Mount Doom. But that's not my primary concern. My primary concern is to make sure I don't get overrun by these armies. And 
where the free people, their troops are limited. When a troop, when a figure dies on the map, it goes away forever. And you have a limited amount. With the shadow, you can, when something dies on the map, you get it back and you can deploy it again later on. And so everything she does, she always feels like she's losing because she's always on her heels, always feels like this overwhelming force. And I think if you watch, and we're watching the movies at the same time. So we watched the first movie, then we played the game. Then we watched the second movie, then we played a game. Now we're watching the third movie, we're going to play a game again, and we're going <laughs> to switch sides then. But as, like, the feeling you get when you watch the movies is, wow, we're just, there's this overwhelming force. How are we going to accomplish this? And we just finished watching the second movie, and Gandalf rides in, and, you know, the orcs are at the gate, and they're knocking it down, and Gandalf rides in and takes them out from the side, which really, you know, causes them to retreat, and the elves show up to help, you know, fend off and buy them time. All of that plays out in the game. Everything that happens in the game, you have this cinematic thing that's happening in your head at the same time, and you can see, like, you know, I moved into Helm's Deep. It could have gone either way. But she just basically said, eh, take Helm's Deep. I'm going to abandon that so I can fortify this city over here because I can't have this battle here and that battle there. And that was the sec. Oh, anyway. Yes. That's awesome. Would you? Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say like that. That is exactly what I would think it would be like to play the game. And that's what it seems like. It seems like pretty exciting. Um because in my mind, I was just like, man, it would just kind of like suck to be, you know, the the fellowship, um, the free people, because it seems like you're just kind of like trying to abate these armies just like crashing at your door. But then with the shut up and sit down kind of, I don't want to call it review, but like how they like talked about the game. It was funny how they made it. He, he was like whiny about like when he was playing Shadow. It's like, sure, I have unlimited enemies, but every time I make one, they spawn all the way over here at Mount Doom, and I have to slowly march them all the way across. <laughs> and then in the meantime, I'm I'm trying to take over your cities, but then like, oh, I do I have to like find I have to find your fellowship. Like, how many how many of these dice do I want to sacrifice? Are you sure? Am I sure I want to do this? And it's like, oh, you know what you you fortified within the city walls, and I you know I don't. I don't think I have enough. I don't think I have enough to take you anymore. Like this is so infuriating. Now it's going to take like another two turns. It is so true too. The so there are a lot of rules. So let's talk about that. Like the game is worth playing a hundred percent without a doubt. If you are marginally interested in the Lord of the Rings and you okay, fine, I'll sit through the movies once. If that's your feeling of the Lord of the Rings, then you match me in your interest of this world. I already went on a tirade of how, about how bad Tolkien, a writer Tolkien is, how I feel, how overrated these books are. The movies are much better, I give you that. Playing this game has given me a, an appreciation for this world I never, ever thought I would have. Like, I am now re-watching the movies, and the words and the names and all the places and everything they're saying, I'm like, I know this. I've, I've been in this. I've, I've existed in this world they're talking about. And it has made me appreciate the source material so much where Tolkien's still a terrible writer, but the story <laughs> and the world, I am, I, I enjoy tenfold more. So what I'm saying is if any one of you is in that same boat where it's like, eh, Lord of the Rings, take it or leave it, take a look at this game. So let's take a look at the rules though. So two videos, shut up and sit down, did a great job. Exactly what you said, describing the feeling of what it is to play the game. RTFM, 
What he does is basically give you boil down the game into about as small a time frame as you can. I think he like a 34 minute video on playing War of the Rings. What do you think about the rules? The rules seem super fiddly. Um, <laughs> I have to say, I'm like, I, I know I watched that rules video and I was I was kind of like, yeah, I don't think I quite understand how this works. I like I understand overarching themes of like. Okay, there's a few there's a few of these kingdoms that like you start off with that are like at war and then more can join if if the shadow kind of like goes in and steamrolls them a little bit then it's like okay, now we'll now we'll join or if you get one of your um I don't know leader characters to go in there companions. to like sh- companions to like be like hey, like come on the shadow is on, is on the move and it's like okay, fine, we'll we'll join. Otherwise they're, they're just kind of like I don't know, empty space or they're just there and then there are so many like intricate rules about like, okay, you have your fellowship and your fellowship is almost like hit points for, uh, you know, Frodo, but they can split off and they have their own like secret little powers that they can use to like do, do things. But if they leave the fellowship, they can't come back, blah, blah, blah. And if you have no more things left, then Gollum joins the group and it's like, okay, what? Like, I, <laughs> very thematically, like, yes, it's like the movie. I get it. Like, once you leave, you can't come back. But like, man, there's a lot of rules around that, and it seems like I it would be ripe for just like forgetting special circumstances and and everything. You are exactly right at everything you're saying. Um, Terrence did ask a question: if the fellowship is hidden movement or not. Um, just quickly to cover that because this goes along with the rules too. One of the things I had the hardest time grasping as part of the rules was how the fellowship moved because it's sort of hidden movement, but That's sort of not. Too. Yeah, from from the video, it seemed like like they had to pop up in cities, but otherwise, like they were hidden. Or if they roll too many, if they roll eyes and they find them, then they have to like reveal themselves and then move back to zero. Like I was like, what? <laughs> I don't, I don't get it. Yep. So, uh, all right. So two things. We're going to talk about the fellowship in a moment and how the hidden movement works because most of the game there are tons and tons of fiddly rules. At the same time, the game has an elegance to it that makes the fiddly rules turn into common sense. More often than not, if something happens and you're like, I wonder, is it this or this? If you pick the one that makes the most sense, that is the one it is. This rule book was written in a way where it's like, okay, here's all the rules. Here's all the exceptions to the rules. All the exceptions to the rules are because of all these things that the rules by themselves, if they were generic, it would just be eh, mechanics. But because of the exceptions, it's not eh, mechanics. It's this is a real living world and this is how this works. The fellowship being one that's really interesting. So it, many of us are familiar with hidden movement games where someone is writing down, I'm going to jump to this region. I'm going to do this region. And every turn you decide where you're, you're moving to, but the other guy doesn't know where you're going, so you kind of have to guess. Sure. This doesn't have that. What it has is a track saying, I'm going to move the fellowship, and I'm going to move it one spot, because that's what you can do when you play this particular action die. And when I move it one spot, the shadow side is going to get a chance to detect that movement. So I'm going to, the shadow side is going to roll a number of six sided dice equal to how many eyes are in the hunt box. This is how many, we're not going to teach the game, but in general, this gives you a good idea of how fiddly this game is. So the shadow player puts a number of eyes in the hunt box and they roll dice. And if eyes come up, you put more eyes in the hunt box. Eyes are just a side on a six sided die. 
if I roll a six when I'm trying to hunt you, then you're revealed. When you reveal, you look at where you are on the fellowship track. How many movements have you done before the last time that you were declared or revealed? And we'll talk about declared in a second. So if you've moved three places and I reveal you, at that point, I am forcing you to move your fellowship piece three spaces. It's just like if you declared and saying, I'm going to declare where I'm at. I will move three spaces. The only difference is when you're forced to reveal where you end up, you can't end up in a stronghold or a city that that the free people own. That's the only real difference besides the fact you take a little bit of corruption too. But like that hidden movement, is it's there, but you don't have to decide upon it until you're revealed. Mm. And it's just, like I said, it's elegant. The rules are complicated around it, but the actual play of it is very, very elegant. It's just like, nope, I'm going to move. I'm going to move. And so if as a shadow player, if you see the fellowship at six, I'm like, I don't know where you're at, but I know you can move when you declare where you're at. It can be up to six spaces away from where you, I know you were at the last time. And then there's this whole hidden and unhidden. If the fellowship is not hidden, you can't move. You have to hide yourself first before you can start moving again. Yes, so fiddly. I, I read the regular rule book which is terrible, just terrible. BGG has a rules rewrite on it, which is very, very good. It's just basically called Lord of the Rings Rules Rewrite. Um, That one is much, much better. I read that. I read them again, and I took notes, like literally took my own notes for all of the exceptions for every different thing you could do. And then I downloaded notes on someone else's notes so I could reference that as well. And that's how I learned the game before we played it for the first time. Sydney's not a big rules person. She didn't want to, she's not going to read the rules. So it's up to me to learn this inside and out and, and write all this stuff down. Yeah, exactly. Um, but she picks up games very, very quickly when we're actually going through. And I was able to summarize quickly, like what, how to start playing the game. But it is not easy. It is, it was a chore. To get through this. And maybe chore is not the right word. Because I was excited about it every single moment that I was doing it. And it was difficult. It was difficult. It was it was one of those things where it's like, I, I, I'm not going to get all this right. I'm not going to figure this out. And our first game, the first, this specifically, there are very <sighs> exception-based rules when attacking into a stronghold. Which are some of the most important rules in the entire game. But they're just part of the battle rules. So when you're doing that, if you don't understand how the strongholds work, you will throw the balance off completely. Because the point of the strongholds is it takes forever to win a battle there. And we messed that up. The very first time I attacked a stronghold, I just kept attacking at it. It's like, no, 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 no. If they're in a stronghold, you have to, every round of combat is one action, as opposed to normal combat, which is one action, and you just fight until someone retreats. Um, So I messed that one up. And then we immediately had to correct it because that would have changed the entire game. And, but from that point on, in our second game, we added the first expansion. It went pretty darn smooth. There was, I mean, I looked things up here and there. It's like, uh, let me double check on this one. But yeah, the game flows very, very well. It plays very, very quickly because there's no downtime. In a two-player game, you are always engaged. Three hours went by. So this is what happened in our last game. This was today is Monday. We did we played this game on Saturday. Zachary went down for a nap at one o'clock. At three o'clock, we stopped ignoring him. <laughs> I was <gonna> say, <laughs> at six o'clock, the baby was screaming. <laughs> exactly. 
<laughs> we're like, we looked down and we're like, oh, all right. Well, he's up. We can play one more round. And that's 45 minutes. That was so crazy. It was, you don't realize the time is passing. And then as soon as he went down at, at night, we went back to the game and started playing again to finish it off. Like, it's just that good where you don't realize the time has passed. And I think, just to bring it back to the topic of the show, if you're playing a game all day, that's exactly the feeling you want to have. You don't right. want to know that time is passing. You don't want to feel it. Yeah. If, if you do, then you're playing, the, skip it. Don't do it. Don't play that game because it's it's not that great. Which, which expansion did you add on? Because they talked about two of them. Yeah. So there are two expansions right now. Um, I think one is Lords of something, Lords of the Ring. And then the other one is Factions. I, it's not Factions, but one of them adds basically the Elven leaders and it allows you to use the rings, the three Elven rings in fun ways. And it adds a couple minor minions for the other side. So it adds more options. Um, and it basically just adds more things you can do. Um, it, Gives the shadow player the Belrog that you can actually take out of Moria and tromp around. But if the Belrog gets killed, he's gone. Those types of things. Um, and then the other one is factions. And there's three factions on each side. So you can get the Ents to be on your side. Or the Hillmen of Dunshire or Dun, Dun, Dun something or other. Um, Saruman got him on the first movie, I think, if I remember correctly. Um, but it just adds these factions. So they're not armies. They do specific things. But they just add mm. additional options. And it's cool because really, if you play them, like the way we're playing is we play the base game, then we added the rings, the special ring things and the keepers of the ring. And then we're going to add the factions next. Well, actually, probably not next. We're going to switch sides. And then the next game, we'll add the factions. You don't have to use any of this additional content. It just gives you additional options, things you can do, but you don't have to. If you tried to do everything, you'd just be overwhelmed and it'd be just much to do so you just say okay this is what i'm going to do this comes up this is what i'm going to do here what i'm going to do there and it just does a great job of telling you how to basically giving you the tools necessary to tell your own story and when you're done you've told your own story yeah and this this game and and this is the last thing i'll say and then we'll move on to ti4 actually we'll, we'll touch on star wars rebellion real quick but ti4 or um War of the Rings, the last game we played, this game is so well-balanced. This is our second game with the expansion. I was attempting to take a stronghold, which would have gotten me my 10 points to win from the shadow side. It was a back-and-forth battle. I threw everything I could to try to take the stronghold because I knew if I didn't, Frodo would have made it to the end of the, the Mordor track and he would have won. So it came down to me rolling two dice. On these two dice, I needed to roll on either one of them a four, five, or six. That's all I had to do, and I won the game. I rolled a six and a one, so I won the game. And I said, and Sydney's like, I well, I didn't have any chance anyway. I'm like, I don't think so. So we're gonna re-roll that. We're gonna pretend I didn't roll that six, and we're gonna re and we're gonna just keep playing from that point on. Nothing else changed. It's just what happened if I missed that. The next round starts. She played. She played her couple or two movement points got to Mount Doom and Frodo won. It was literally the single die roll difference at the end of a five hour game that decided it. And that five hours and that, that sounds bad, right? It does. Sound, it kind of does sound bad. It's like, wait a yeah. minute, what? No, but, but it's all spent, the things that lead up to that. Exactly. It was the five hours that led up to that. It's the number of random events and strategic moves. It's not a tactical game at all. It is a strategic game. 
all of those strategic moves that set you up in those places. Yes, I got lucky on that die roll, but had I not, she had set herself up to win by getting Frodo to the mountain and being at the end of the mountain. And because it was just this razor's edge of it could have gone either way after five hours, either way. I mean, that that's like a testament to the game because you take two players who have played the game the same amount of times. Maybe one has like a little bit more knowledge than the other in terms of rules. But other than that, they're, you know, you put them together and then it's literally a difference of like one turn. Yeah. Yep. And and like one person will win or the other person will win at the end of five hours. So that means that the game, like both similar strength players at the end of five hours are exactly almost equally matched. Yeah, exactly. And each had the chance. And we both went back and said, well, I should have done this. I'm like, yeah, but if you had done that, I would have done this. And that's the thing where we decided it's like there was no mistakes that either of us really made. It was just we were reacting to what the other person was doing. And in doing that, it made the entire experience such an engaging one. It, it didn't matter who won. Honestly, at the end of the first game, the Shadow side won the first game and the second game. And it didn't matter. The experience far outweighed the result of the game. And that, I think, more than anything else, were games that you play for this amount of time, that has to be where you end. And I think, I think you, like, especially for a two-player game... Because every, I mean, both people are focusing all of their attention on the other person and what they're doing. Um, if one person is steamrolling the other per, other player, it's not. It gets unfun pretty quickly. Yep. the The person who's steamrolling can still have fun, but it might be like a little bit boring. Um, and the person who's getting steamrolled is is probably not having fun. They're like, yeah, I just give up. Like this, this is this is not fun anymore. So it needs to be very well balanced and and very kind of like back and forth for for both players to have fun for the whole, you know, two, three, four, five hours, whatever, whatever it takes. Yeah. yeah. And if you don't have that, then it's not a game that's going to live up to wanting to play it again. Yeah. No. Yep. Even in the first game, I won. I won more securely in the first game than in the second but she was still probably a turn away, like a full turn away from winning. And that is just, it's important. David just mentions like, yeah, the person getting steamrolled will mentally check out mid game if they're getting steamrolled. So it's like, you know, you don't want to be flipping the tables. Like we're halfway through this game and I have no chance of winning. Like I'm done. And you never felt like that in this particular game. And I think I could play this game over and over and over and you would never feel the same way uh one of the things that sydney said right at the end of at the end of the second one she's like i really enjoyed the second game not just for the game itself but because also when i played the first game i had some preconceived notions about what the right thing was to do and how i should fix my strategy from the last game and i found that that didn't actually matter it wasn't there isn't one winning strategy there isn't one thing you should do and that's when we came to the conclusion it's like well it just it's a game about reaction. It's a game about responding to what the other person's doing. And that's what keeps it engaging the entire time. And even yeah. though it's a dudes on the map game, I think that there's so much going on. We haven't even talked about the cards. Again, this isn't just about War of the Rings. Um, but there's <laughs> there's so much going on that you are constantly like involved in this game. So again, an all-day game, 
you should definitely play it. If you if you have two players, do it. Want to quickly jump on Star Wars Rebellion, which is almost many people will compare War of the Rings and Star Wars Rebellion and just say it's an IP difference. Like you, I think they did kind of like in RTFM did art. Yeah, they they kind of like touched on that briefly. Yeah. So Star Wars Rebellion is another thematic back and forth asymmetric game. Um, War of the Rings also asymmetric. You have different victory conditions. Um, Star Wars Rebellion. The victory conditions are probably even more different in that one. As the Rebellion, you're you always feel like you're on your heels, but you're trying to basically bring the galaxy up, rise up against the Empire, and the Empire is just trying to crush the Rebellion and find their base before they're able to do that. But how that plays out and how that goes on again, I've never played this. It's always on the box is three to four hours. Sydney and I take an average of six hours to play this game. Um, it always feels engaging. It always feels back and forth. There's this cat and mouse chase to it. It's cinematic in such a way that, you know, everyone, every, well, with the rebellion, with the um, rise of the, I think it's rise of the rebellion. It's the one with the uh, rogue one expansion, which you should absolutely play with. Some of those characters aren't iconic because they're just in that movie, but but you're playing with these iconic characters and these iconic events going on. And one of my first games, I took an X-Wing and flew it into the Death Star and blew up the Death Star. I've never been able to do it again. But in that game, I was able to do it. And I still remember <laughs> that experience. Stay on target. Stay on target. Stay on target. I mean, it's those types of things. So War of the Rings and Star Wars Rebellion, again, the top, what, I think, 6 and 12 or something like that. If you have one other person that you is somewhat interested in these IPs. Again, just somewhat interested. Drop this game down, play through these games. You will not regret it. However, I will say, one of you has to master the rules ahead of time, even though you've never played it. It seems like, especially like the War of the Rings, seems like it would be a great candidate for uh, like a video game where you can choose a side and then play against the computer. Um, Yes. And even if it was just like an easy AI, um, I think it would go a long way in like helping you learn the rules of what you can and can't do and what kind of cards stuff you can get. And it's like, oh, okay. And then you could like sit down and teach somebody or like play an actual human. I would say the one thing that you would lose there, and I think that both of these games require this, is the story that you're creating with the person sitting across from you. Yeah. The mechanics of these games, they can be fiddly. Both of them can be fiddly. Um, there's exceptions here and there. And there's I have to look this up again because I haven't played it for a few months. So let's double check how combat works, etc. Those exist in both situations. But the story you create with that person is far more important than the mechanics themselves. Um, and then I would say the other part of that is mo- both of these games you are in dirt certain phases where it's like, okay, we're doing this right now. So I only have to focus on this section of the rules to make sure we're doing it right. And that's why the notes for like war of the rings, you talked about, you know, the different nations that aren't at war and you have to activate them and you have to move them to at war. And until they're at war, you can't recruit and you can't attack, but you can move, but you can't move inside of other people's boundaries, but you can retreat into other people's boundaries. As long as the next move you make <laughs> is outside of their boundaries. These are all actual rules, <laughs> but those things are things that you can focus on when you're doing it and you don't have to worry about it as much. You just have to have an overview of how the actions work. And from that point, the first time you take a muster action, it's like, well, can I muster with the elves? 
No, because even though they're active, they're not at war yet. So what you can do is your muster can be used as a political action to move them one step closer to war. So those are the types of it's not as hard as it sounds because they break down easy enough while you're playing the game, as long mm. as you understand that those sections exist while playing the game. Got it. So these are two-player games. These are very long two-player games, War of the Rings and Star Wars Rebellion. And I know I glossed over Star Wars Rebellion. If you guys want to hear me wax on upon that, let me know, and I, I, will, I will. But <laughs> two-player games. The War of the Rings looks like the more interesting of the two games. If I had to pick one that I could only keep one of them at this point, I I, I mean, listen to the past I don't know, couple dozen episodes and you'll know Star Wars Rebellion has been on my top list forever. War of the Rings is above it. Hands down, no doubt. If I had to pick one, War of the Rings would be the one that I would keep. It's just there's so much more going on there. Um, but yeah, yeah. But it's still a two player game and it's still easier to get to the table because it's a two-player game. So let's talk about Twilight Imperium 4th Edition. <laughs> <laughs> Although I will say, um, Terrence asks, uh, you cover Star Wars Rebellion? I, I really have covered Star Wars Rebellion. Not in, de- not in this detail. But Sydney's vote, I believe, would also be War of the Rings. Um, I would have, I don't know, I'll have to ask her. But I'm, I'm pretty sure that her vote is also War of the Rings. So Twilight Imperium, this is a minimum three-player game. So if you have three players, you should definitely play this one instead. In fact, if you only had these three games, that statement is hard and fast. Both Star Wars Rebellion and War of the Rings say that they can play up to four players. That is a bold-faced lie. Um, it's basically, it'd be like playing, I, I I wanted to say pairs tennis, but it's not that, like, which that actually has some skill involved. It's like saying, yeah. you're both going to make decisions, but... Instead of a single player making all the decisions, now you have two players, so you make half the decisions, and then you make the other half of the decisions. It's just terrible. Just terrible. It's like playing Stratego um, four players. Exactly. It's like, <laughs> right. It, like, okay, it's like playing, we're going to trade off every other turn. Yeah. It's like chess. It's like, okay, you control the bishops and the rooks. I got the pawns and the knights. Like, that's literally how it plays out if you're playing two players in these games. Um, now, you can play. I mean, if you have four people and you just want to play teams, that 100% works. Like, okay, you're a, a committee of deciding what you're going to do. But the actual rules are lackluster. Twilight Imperium 4th Edition, though, or any edition, really, um, this one you have to play three players. And that's because it is, at its heart, a negotiation game. It's a political game. It is. There's certainly ships on the map that you're going to be fighting back and forth and huh let's just i just now realized this all three of these games are dude on a map games and i don't know if that means if that's why they're like these big long games or not um but they all feel so different that's why i didn't actually even realize it because they're all very very different feel um but ti4 you are going to have ships out there you are going to want to colonize planets and move out you want to explore exploit all those types of things and you want to make friends for the first two-thirds of the game. So that said, you watched the RTFM. This is the one you said you are most interested in. After watching yeah. RTFM and Shut Up and Sit Down, what is your take on this now? And you've partially played this. Yeah. Um, I'm probably still more interested in this game uh, than The War of the Rings, though The War of the Rings does seem like a really, a really good time. Um, but the 4X of this is just kind of a thing that is like right up my alley the whole tech tree exploring getting planets and like producing stuff 
the rules seem obviously like a, a little fiddly sometimes, but not nearly as fiddly as the War of the Rings. Um, but it it kind of surprised me in in the videos that you sent me. I, even though there's definitely combat in this game, that you kind of shy away from combat as much as you can um because it's more of like political negotiation and like you can go down a bad route a bad road if you just want to be like well i'm gonna win by just like trying to conquer everybody yeah well and you really can't because the way you win in this game are there are 10 random objectives that are going to come up five of them give you one point five of them give you two points from i've only played the game once but we did play all the way through and what ends up happening is those first five objectives, you're all probably going to achieve them at some point because you all see what they are. They're public objectives. You also have private objectives that will give you one point. No private objectives gives you more than one. So conquering and war are rarely a good way of getting points, but they're often the way that you need to manipulate things to get you points in other ways, like controlling a certain number of kinds of planets or... Maybe you need a certain amount of technology or you need to destroy, well, secret goals more often than not will take you into wanting to attack other players. So one might be destroy an opposing faction's flagship or something like that. But at the same time, you typically can only score two objectives a turn. So at the very most, you're going to get two points a turn. And a game plays to 10 points, which doesn't sound like that much. And by turn, I mean round, because War of the Rings, one of the worst things about it is they call a turn a round a turn. So I'm going to unravel that in my head right now. (laughs) (laughs) In Twilight Imperium, you have maximum really of 10 rounds, because if you ever try to reveal an objective and it's not there, the game just ends and whoever the most points wins. So you're trying to get 10 points. But when at the end of a round, if you can't score one of those private objectives, you've lost out on a major point possibility 10 percent of your win game right so you have to set yourself up so you can at least do one of those private objectives and hopefully or one of those public objectives and hopefully a private objective too but in order to do that you need the help of everyone else at the table or at least several other people at the table and that creates this super interesting thing because i want to score points you want to score points i can't score points without your help and vice versa but if i help you you're scoring points yeah. <laughs> so maybe I don't want to help you. So the beginning of the game, you tend to be pretty friendly with each other because you all want to get scoring points. And then at the end of the game, it turns into, well, which allies am I going to turn on right now? Because now I need to score points faster than anyone else. And I would love to help you. I would have loved to help you last round. But now if I help you you're going to have more points than me. So I'm not going to help you, but I'm more than happy to help this other player that is behind on the point battle because they want to get up in points. But little did I know, they actually have two private objectives they can solve do because they can do one during fighting and one during the end game scoring. And all of a sudden they're pulling ahead. There is so much going on in this game. And you are engaged all the time, all the time. Like there's always something going on that you need to be interested in. The only time that there is some downtime for you as a player is if there's a combat going on and you're not directly involved. But even then, and so this is the 
War of the Rings and Twilight Imperium 4 both do this. Star Wars Rebellions, the combat system is far more convoluted, but it's a two-player game, so it's fine. But the combat resolution of both of these games is simply rolling dice and trying to exceed a number. And so even though I may not be involved in the combat, I am in- interested in the outcome, and the combat plays out fast enough where it it's not that big a deal that only two players are currently playing the game right now because within five minutes, they're going to be done doing what they're doing. And then it's back to, it's either my turn or someone's done something that I can follow or someone is taking their turn, but the turns are so quick that it's going to be my turn again very, very quickly. The downtime in all of these games is practically non-existent, which is, again, another thing I think is required for a game that you're going to invest six to 12 hours in. Yeah. It seemed like um, from the videos, they said, like, yeah, there's really not a lot of downtime for you as a player, which is good because you you are very interested in what all the other players are doing because it'll probably directly affect you in some way or change change your strategy or, or change what you might do next round or you need to actively participate in some way um like they said like uh i think there's like a, a voting at the end of a round turn yep um where you can choose to abstain but it seems like most of the time you want to not do that yeah and even if you do abstain you're abstaining for a reason and yeah. trying to manipulate other people to do what you want even though you're not going to be a part of it one of the most so I've I mentioned that the one game we played in we ended in a four way tie. Um, when we went into the last round, we had like I think it was seven, no six, seven, and I think two people are at eight or something like that. Some something where it was a spread out thing. At the end of that round, we all had nine points, and then we went into the voting phase. And Sydney had manipulated; she was the speaker, so the kind of the leader player, and she had manipulated the voting deck in such a way where. The first vote seemed really important because it made whoever won was going to be able to decide on the outcome of the second agenda card, which is what these cards are called, if it was a particular type of agenda, which like two-thirds of the agendas are. But she knew that the second one had nothing to do with that. So she was manipulating the situation where she was drawing out all the votes because you have a limited number of votes. You vote on one agenda, and then the second agenda, if you use your votes there – from the first one, you just have what you have left over for the second. And the second agenda came up, and it basically said, you're going to vote for or against this. If you vote for, everyone who votes for, or all the winners or something get a point. And if it fails, all the losers get a point. It was such a situation where there was no way, and we were all at nine points, where there was no way possible that we couldn't all get one point at the same time. And so we all went from nine to ten simultaneously. Now... (laughs) We didn't know what the tiebreaker was, and we had just got done playing an epic, I think it was like 10 hours that we ended up playing this game. And we're just like, okay, that's legit. We're just going to end this game in a four-way tie. Later, referring referring to the rules, whoever is closest to the speaker is the tiebreaker. So Sydney would have technically won that way. But then referring to the rules a bit more, there was a move that happened the very last round that took a point away from one of the other players, which was Jen, that technically she shouldn't have lost that point. So she would have just won outright. But at the same time, we're like, no, none of that matters. We won. It was a four-way tie (laughs) and we had a great time playing because it was the journey to get to that end. And all the, the finagling and the manipulation and the changing of that very last turn that made it all feel so worthwhile. Like it just... It was inc- it was insane. It was crazy how good it was. 
uh, I can't I can't recommend any of these games enough. And hopefully this entire episode like kind of shows that. If you've never played one of these games or thought of playing a game that would take this long because you're like, no, 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 it's too involved, try it. Even if it's just at a convention back, you know, in in the aftertimes when we can go to conventions again. Back in the aftertimes. <laughs> back in the aftertimes. Play through it. Feel that experience. Go through it. And you may only ever do it once, and that might be enough. Like, you may never have to do it again. These games aren't things you have to play, play over and over and over. But I will say, War of the Rings, after our first game, we set it up again. After our second game, we set it up again. Like, it's on the table, ready to start again. Like, <laughs> really? It's all just laid out, ready to go. Yeah. Like, literally, as we were talking, it's like, okay, well, let's set up. But, well, let's just clean this off here and clean this off here. Well, now that we've done that, we can put the pieces back out where they belong. And it's ready to play. Like, we will start playing this game again, probably tomorrow night. And it'll it'll go over two nights, but we will play this game again this week. And That's awesome. Well, she's like a lot of fun. It's it's these are the types of things. And Twilight Imperium, we felt the same way. Like we all had to you, go home. You just because, need more people. <laughs> yeah, it's just harder to do. I will say Star Wars Rebellion. We never actually got that. We never did that. We never just automatically reset. We yeah. could have, but we never had that feeling. It's like we enjoyed the play. It was a great game, but it wasn't like an immediate. I must play this again. Let's do this again. Let's let's set it up. So, yeah, at some point, Twilight Imperium 4, when we play it again, Fletcher, you'll be a part of that. And at any point that you want to come up and just hang out for six hours, we can play War of the Rings. Okay. And we will have a good time playing that. Um, And honestly, I'll just let you and Sydney play, and I can spectate that and get the same amount of enjoyment out of it. It's that engaging. It's like watching a story play out. Yeah. it's so good. I feel like I the same. Like I, I feel like I would enjoy watching people play that game. And I don't know if that can be said for many other games. Not that length. Yeah, especially not that length. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like TI4, I think it'd be interesting, but you'd have to have some interning, interesting player personalities in order to watch that happen. But David says next week's topic, <laughs> board game voyeurism. That is definitely going to be a topic. Maybe not next week, but it's definitely going to be a topic because I have become more and more able to watch other people play board games and I never thought I would be able to. Um, I do want to dish, dish? No, that's probably the right. Um, dis. Nah. I want to talk poorly about one game that falls into this category of all day games. Um, mostly because I think there are a lot of bad all day games. You know, we talked about Risk and Monopoly, and those ones are kind of like, yes, those, we know those. But I'm going to talk about Star Trek Ascension, a game that I really, really want to love. There's a lot of cool but things But I like there. the Star Trek IP. Yeah. And it's, and you know, we talked about Lord of the Rings, we talked about Star Wars, no, so let's talk about Star Trek for a sec. This game is broken in the <sighs> fundamental, in the fundamental way that... While you're playing the game, it takes forever, and it plays best at 3+. I think there's a, there's a two-player version now where you can play with the Borg as the third, but it you have normally you have to play three players or more. The downtime in this game is absolutely asinine. It is ridiculous. It is so bad. The way it works, it, this game would have been amazing 20 years ago, literally 20 years ago, when games were designed this way. And actually, if you look at Twilight Imperium 1 and 2 that was designed this way. On your turn, in Twilight Imperium 3 and 4, you have a certain number of command points. On your turn, you use one of those command points, and then it goes to the next player. 
and you continue to play. So you essentially take micro actions, micro turns, I guess, um, in a particular round. Is this game? Is this is it Star Trek Ascendancy? Is that what you're talking about? Or is that? Yeah, sorry, sorry, Ascend- Ascendancy. You're right. You're right. Yes. Okay, I'm, I'm looking yep. it up because I haven't seen this game before. So yeah, just want to. Make I sure. own it. I own it. I own. I think all of the expansions except for the last two, which are just faction expansions. I really enjoy so many aspects of this game. They're so good. There's the factions are just ever so slightly different, giving them their own feel. There's like the exploration. The play area is amazing. So many good things about it. But on your turn, depending on how many command points you have, you take, you use all of those points, which means you spend about 20 minutes taking your turn. And when there's three people playing, it means you literally have over a half hour before you do anything unless you're being attacked. And that breaks this game so much to the point with the last two hours I played this game, we played it once, we played it at Gen Con when I first got it. The last two hours were the most miserable experience I've ever had playing a board game because I knew who was going to win. I knew the winner. Everyone at the table knew the winner, but we were playing it out because we had to play it out to confirm that that person was going to win. And I was just watching a boring game happen because you just watch other people take turns the, almost the entire time. And then when it becomes your turn, it's like, well, I do this and this because it's the only thing I can do. And then I wait for another half hour before it's my turn again. Ugh. So That's the there's worst. A, yeah, there is an easy fix for it. I haven't tried to implement it because, again, it still requires three people. And that's simply on your turn, you use one command point instead of all of them. And then you're just taking the micro actions the same way Twilight Imperium works. And it works. It should work just fine. But... I, br- I bring it up not because this is how you fix the game. I bring it up because if you're going to play one of these games, play one of that we that we just talked about or something else that someone has vouched for that you know is engaging the entire time. Or you will come away from this and say, I never want to do that again. I'm only going to play Azul for the rest of my life. And <laughs> Azul is great. But Sushi Go all- Party only. <laughs> exactly. But these games... It, there's more to them than just the mechanics themselves. And yeah. All right. I I feel like I'm, I'm very passionate about this. <laughs> yeah. It seems, I, I get what you're saying about like, if what, if you take all of your command points, like all of, all of the moves that you can possibly do on your turn, you have to finish that. And somebody has a, just a slew of points and you're just like watching somebody like, okay, I'm going to do this thing. And I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. And it's like, okay, just wake me up when your turn is over and just quickly recap of, of what you did. Cause you're going to have to sit there and decide like, well, do I want to do this or do I want to do this? Do I want to do that? Do I want to do this? Um, it does make some more sense. Like, no, you just have, you, you just do one and then move on. Yep. And then it feels more like everything's happening in real time. War of the Rings handles this by you roll dice. And then depending on the action faces that show up, those are the actions you can take. But when it's your turn, you pick a die, you do that action, and then it's your opponent's turn. And it's just back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Star Wars Rebellion has a simultaneous planning phase where we're going to commit leaders to missions, and the missions are face down. But we do that simultaneously, and then back and forth, we decide which mission that we're going to do. And the missions are relatively quick um, resolution. And for Twilight Imperium, it's you have command points, and you can use a particular command point... Or you can do like an action that everyone can follow. So it's either a relatively fast action or an action that everyone is going to be a part of. And by doing that, it keeps everyone engaged all the time. 
for Star Trek Ascendancy. I actually talked to the do- the designer about this too. I'm like, so there's a, quite a bit of downtime. And he's like, he's like, there shouldn't be downtime. Once once you know how to play the game, there shouldn't be downtime. And I'm like, all right, dude. All right. <laughs> and I just walked away, <laughs> nodding my head because I'm like, all right, there is downtime and it's, it's not, it's not good. So, um, but those, and that's why if you, I don't know what this is rated, um, but it's, it's not high. <laughs> uh, on BGG, I just had it up here. It is keep clicking back and back. Okay. It is 7.8. Yeah. But what's the rank rank five fifty three. That's higher than I would expect it to be. Now that said, there is a ton to like about this game. Like, it really is. It is the Twilight Imperium in the Star Trek universe. It just has too much downtime. There's that one flaw. And if they fix that one downtime flaw, this would be a game that I would get a group together and say, okay, let's play this. And we're going to spend, you know, 8, 12 hours playing this game. But you, you'd have to do, you'd have to fix that. So I haven't even bothered looking to see if there's some variants on BGG. I'm sure there are variants to reduce downtime on those types of things. Well, even but, even the comment is like, oh, once you learn how to play, there's no downtime. It's like, okay, but <laughs> nobody knows how to play right off the bat. So while everybody's learning, there's tons of downtime and people are frustrated. Well, and even if you were to get your turn down to five minutes, which would be exceptional, if you have four players, that's still 15 minutes before you're taking a turn. <laughs> it's true. yeah you know it's like and that's fast that's five minutes is super fast to like do eight different actions so especially in a like a strategy slash tactics game but yeah all right so twilight imperium or star wars or uh war of the rings which one do you want to play first oh man uh i probably would go with twilight imperium but i'd honestly be happy with either one now what if i said this war of the rings Literally, you could come up Saturday and we could play it. Twilight Imperium, we'll have to get three more people together and we'll schedule something. <laughs> and uh, and uh, schedule out an entire day. Yeah. Social distance, of course. Yes. Uh, I, I guess, yeah, I mean, the, the War of the Rings has the clear advantage during these times where it's... Uh, well, it, it, it also has a slight advantage where it seems like it's it's obviously shorter and you just... Two people need to... Um, figure out schedules as opposed to three plus yeah well i think what it is is the playtime per player is probably equivalent um but because you only have two players you know even if it's two hours per player you're still playing it much faster than if a four-player game of twilight imperium which takes you eight hours or four hours for war of the ring yeah although twilight imperium is probably still taking you with four players yeah eight to ten hours i think we did we stopped for breakfast or stopped for breakfast (laughs) we stopped for dinner (laughs) we Um, stopped for breakfast (laughs) you start playing at dinner okay we're gonna take a break around breakfast breakfast. (laughs) yeah but all right well fletcher thank you for filling in for the kitty um (laughs) which you're not really filling in but (laughs) i i told you before this that you had to talk as much as kitty did um I, I, I don't tried. know if you succeeded. I'll know when I see the waves. <laughs> <laughs> it's still going to be a lot of you. That's it always is. I just can't be shut up. It's impossible. But that said, <laughs> I will shut up for now. And you can follow us on Facebook at 
slash tabletop game talk podcast. Twitter's tabletop game TLK. Kitty is lawful good mom. Fletcher's net fletch. I am game master Chris. Leave us a review on iTunes or help us out on Patreon at tabletopgametalk.com slash Patreon. And I gave all of the rest of this to you, Fletcher. Tabletop Game Talk is a proud member of the Dice Tower Network. Thanks for listening. And remember, we love your feedback. So email us with comments or questions about today's topic at feedback at tabletopgametalk.com. Finally, a huge thank you to our patron. Patron. Patrons? Patrons. <laughs> Adam Harrison, The Gift of Games, Jason Strong, Terrence Miltner, Stephen Seitz, Brian Arnold, Sean P. Kelly, C. Marie, Rudy Liu, Benjamin Heimowitz, Jerry, Jerry Wong, Caleb O'Brien, Jennifer Engelbrecht, Justin Bolivar, Willard. Man, I'm having trouble today. Christopher Dong, Jason Marks, Jeremy Fisher, David Radke, Nick Quickstra, David Sellers, Jason Rodney, Michael Yanikowski, Miles Clark, Cindy Lum, Phil Schwartzel, Ann Reynolds, Eric Huffman, Adrian Dong, Faz Litham, Sean Peck, Eric Silander, Mike Smith, Joe Hoover, Glenn Cotter, Don Gilstrap, Stephen Judd, Leanne Verholst, Christopher Letko, John Lewis, Joe Rackstad, Ron Nelson, Sahara Wentworth, Weatherman Keith, Nicholas Lotz, Angus Toth, Paul Raymer, Jimothy, Matthew Droke, Aaron Moore, Jesse Wheeler, Charles Pearson, David Rank, Sam Lacet Brown, Christopher Comstock, and Ben Gary. Nice, strong finish. Until next week, <laughs> keep playing games and having fun. I kind of feel bad for um, Star Wars Rebellion. I feel like I may never play that game again. <laughs> I mean, just add it to all the pile of games that you're never going to play again. Oh, good point.